Hello, and welcome to another episode of Must See Matches. Uh, I guess the bouts you should check out. Uh, I am, of course, uh, Kieran Lefort here every week, and also here with me, as in every week, is the maestro behind Must See Matches, Mark Buckledy. Mark, how's it going? Yeah, I'm not doing too badly. It's nice outside. Um, yeah, no, it's just ticking along nicely. Mm, you're sporting a very colourful jumper. It's a shame we're not on video. Well, it's also a good thing we're not on video because I look like I've been dragged through a hedge backwards. I am knackered. <laughs> I put it this way, I had a shave the, uh, a couple of days ago because my beard was in an absolute utter state. So, mm. yeah. We are recording this in quite literally the 48 hours I am in the country between two work trips. I got back from Spain yesterday and I am uh, off to France on Monday and have to somehow make my way to the Eurostar on uh, what we shall call Elizabeth's Day. <laughs> uh, this will be out by then, uh, so if you're listening, please don't burgle me. Uh, I'll be back soon enough, and I'll catch you. Uh, but we trust you. You're all lovely people. You listen to this show. You must be good. Uh, this week, uh, uh, it's just us. No guests. Um, uh, and we're going to talk about two of the nicest and easiest to get along people uh, <laughs> in professional wrestling. Uh, this is uh, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam 2013, August 18th, uh, 2013. Um, did this fall within your WWE watching period? This was the period where I was traveling abroad to go to WrestleMania and literally all WWE, the only WWE that I would watch was literally the WrestleMania show that I would be there for. Okay. And maybe NXT. Okay. So... I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I don't remember this one. I remember definitely following and keeping an eye on a lot of the the CM Punk period, hmm. but um, I was not a regular viewer. Yeah, so this was the year before the network launched, with making access to everything easy. Um, I have definitely seen this show before. I know that, like, I recognised spots in the match when I got to them. Um, uh, but I wasn't watching the TV regularly. I don't think I probably didn't have access to it at the time. I'm trying to think where I was. I might have, um, perhaps not in a strictly legal sense. I might have watched some of it, uh, but I definitely watched uh, this show. Um, I definitely watched it over the past week or so, uh, the uh, month of Raw's leading up to this, as I tend to. If anything happened on SmackDown in this story, I don't know about it because I didn't watch the SmackDowns and they didn't recap any of them on Raw. Um, so, uh, CM Punk, uh, has been the world champion. He lost it to the rock at the Royal Rumble, uh, 2013. And since mid 2012, he's been accompanied to the ring by Paul Heyman. I hesitate to say manage because Punk doesn't call it a business relationship and he says they're friends, which is something that plays into the, the overall story and sort of kind of irks Paul Heyman a little bit, um, I can only imagine his cut as a friend is less than it would be if he was an official <laughs> manager. So we start on July the 15th, the night after the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Um, there's a video on this show showing the launch of the Performance Centre, uh, which Jesus. made me laugh. Um, and I had to make sure I had the right year because the main event of this show is Chris Jericho versus Rob Van Dam. <laughs> What? In 20... In 2013, Rob Van Damme was back on Raw and having shockingly good matches. Um, 
Last night, Money in the Bank, uh, Paul Heyman cost CM Punk one of the ladder matches uh, when Punk was the only man in the ring climbing up to get the briefcase and Heyman uh, gets into the ring, smashes him in the leg with the ladder. Punk falls down the ladder a bit. He gets hit in the back again with the ladder. And then as he bends over, um, Heyman hits him for a third time, uh, cracks him in the back of the head with the ladder and cause, opens a wound that took 13 staples to close. Jesus. <laughs> yes. Um so uh, Punk comes out to cult personality. You'll be shocked to learn he's massively over. Um, he challenges Heyman and Lesnar to come to the ring. Uh, uh, he gets Heyman, who cuts a tremendous promo about bringing Punk, Punk into the company when he was unwanted, mentoring him to the point that they collectively were the world champion. Um, and without Heyman, Punk is not the best in the world, and Punk failed the team when he failed to break Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania. He goes on about Punk having no family. All he has is the fans. All you crave is a WWE title, and you took my best friend away from me, meaning Punk himself. Uh, so I took away your chance of getting the title back from you. Uh, you're about as fi- you're about to find out that as bad as my business reputation is, I'm a whole lot worse personally. <laughs> and I wonder how many other people can attest to either of those <laughs> clauses in that statement. Um, uh, his reasoning is a bit odd he says he betrayed him because Punk can't beat Brock Lesnar which seems a bit weird particularly as at this point Brock isn't the champion which I thought he was Um, and if the graphic for this episode shows Brock holding a belt it means I thought this was a title match going into it and haven't had time to change it before publishing the show (laughs) um uh, Punk fires back about how Heyman split his head on with the ladder. Uh, he swears on Heyman's children that he's going to get him and anyone associated with him. Uh, Heyman, uh, Heyman drops to his knees, does the it's clobber in time bit, and Brock's music hits. Uh, and while Punk is watching Brock coming down the aisle, Heyman scurries around uh, and attacks Punk from behind. Punk tries to fight. Lesnar batters him all over ringside. Um, uh, gets F5 onto the commentary table. Um, it's a really great segment that I'm not doing justice to. It goes about 15 minutes. The brawl is tremendous. Um, so next week we get a recap of uh, Heyman portraying Punk at Money in the Bank. Last week's promo, the attack. Uh, we then get three more recaps before Punk comes out to start hour three. And then there's another recap after he's got in the ring and before <laughs> he speaks on the microphone. So they hammer this home in this mm. episode. Um uh, he says, no matter how much Brock beats him up, he's still standard. He can beat me down, but he can't keep me down. Um, he's not afraid of Brock, and he promises he's going to destroy Heyman. Uh, monsters were put on this earth, and in my path, for one reason, to be slaughtered. Uh, if Brock is the beast incarnate, then I will slay that beast. And if I can't have him tonight, then I want it at SummerSlam, the best versus the beast, which is the tagline going mm. into this match. Heyman shows up, quote, live via satellite on the screen. And Punk shouts, are you here? Is that via satellite the truth? Because if you're here, I'm going to find you, grab you by the fat of your neck, drag you out here and give you what you deserve. (laughs) Uh, So Heyman uh, has the killer line of heroes are cowards that run out of options or fools that don't know when to stay down. Uh, Accepts Punk's challenge for Punk versus Lesnar uh, and says the best is the beast. Week three. Uh, People talk about wrong killings never aging. Quick aside here. Ricky Starks is in a backstage Ryback segment here. This is nine years ago, and he looks exactly the same. (laughs) I had forgotten that A, Curtis Axel existed, B, he was ever the Intercontinental Champion, and C, he was ever managed by Paul Heyman. (laughs) I only know that 
because of um, a recent episode that I watched uh, of the uh, Days of Thunder Patreon. Actually, oh yeah, that's the only reason because they're <laughs> doing a they're doing an NXT series, but they're starting with the original version of an NXT. They are, and once they get to season five, I need to uh, contribute because I have I went to a SmackDown taping in London. And I have photos of the obstacle courses and stuff they were doing on that night. It's, yeah, wow, that taping went about four hours. It's the only time I've ever seen Rey Mysterio Jr. wrestle. And the best match was the dark match, which was Natalia versus Layla L. <laughs> it was a weird show. Yeah, it was the Edge Retirement Tour. So he, after he'd had to retire and he was like advertised for everything, like he basically was like doing farewell speeches on every night of the, every night of the tour. Um, yeah, it was very, very odd. It was it was uh, coal mine era. Oh. So Michael Cole in a Perspex box at ringside and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, thankfully I got the tickets for free. Um, so <laughs> um, the whole point of this is um, uh, um, Curtis Axel is out here to wrestle R-Truth. Heyman says something I wasn't paying attention to on the way to the ring. And then Curtis Axel takes the mic and says something I paid even less attention to because it's Curtis Axel. Um, there's a huge CM Punk chart during this match. Punk runs out, clobbers Axel, gets his hands on Heyman as Heyman comically swabs over the barricade. Axel defends his manager, though, and brawls with Punk as uh, Heyman escapes. I don't know why there was a disqualification in this match. I think it was this match because Punk didn't ever touch Axel. Uh, mm. he, he got hold of Heyman. Apparently that was a DQ. Um, uh, Punk gets up, gets up on the desk, crowd goes nuts, and because it's the WWE, uh, the Intercontinental Champion is left laying. <laughs> uh, we're into August. August 5th, uh, Josh Matthews interviews Punk backstage. Punk compares Axel Heyman unfavorably to Mr. Perfect and Bobby Heenan, uh, and my phone has just committed suicide, if you heard that. Uh, let's let's put that somewhere else. I might not even edit this out. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh he says he's gonna batter them batter uh uh Heyman and Axel tonight. Uh he closes with some weak scripted sounding lines about the SummerSlam match with Brock. Punk versus Axel. Punk attacks Axel on the ramp and tries to get at Heyman, who legs it backstage. Punk tries and fails to do the Mr. Perfect gum swat in the middle of beating up Axel, and then rather disgustingly just picks the gum up off the mat and puts it back in his mouth. <laughs> um Heyman comes back after the break while Axel has Punk in a chin lock. Punk escapes, uh, but Axel flattens him when he goes after Paul. Uh, they don't mute Punk audibly telling Axel to go to a corner, but do mute someone using a naughty word immediately thereafter. <laughs> um, Axel takes a boot to the face uh, and rolls to the apron. Heyman, like any good manager, comes over to offer his charge advice, uh, and Punk is on him like a ferret up a trouser leg. Uh, ah, this is where the inexplicable disqualification happens. Uh, somebody is disqualified, don't know who, because Punk touched Paul Heyman. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Heyman gets dragged into the ring. Brock's music hits. Uh, Axel pulls Punk out the ring, gets to go to sleep. Lesnar comes over to that side of the ring and brawls with Punk. Uh, and this time, uh, it's Punk getting the better of it early. Uh, but Brock overhead suplexes him um, on the mats outside. Uh, Punk escapes the F5 in the ring, puts Brock down with a chair. Lesnar recovers quickly enough to save Heyman from getting walloped and leave Punk laying with an F5 and a barrage of chair shots splitting Punk's chin open. 
Uh, after the break, Rene interviews the heels backstage and a very sweaty Brock Lesnar channels the Foo Fighters by asking if that's uh, what the best of the best of the best of the best of the best has to offer. Uh, he says, I'm the beast and I'm the best. Uh, and he, then he says, Paul, say something stupid. Uh, <laughs> So Heyman takes the mic uh, and he tells Renee to deliver the message to Punk that he's not going to make it to SummerSlam because he, Paul Heyman, is challenging Punk to a fight next week. Yeah, this story did not go in directions I expected it to go. <laughs> so, 12th of uh, April. No, 12th of August. We've gone back in time. 12th of April will be WrestleMania. Um Tremendous video package featuring a Brock Heyman promo, which, if you'll indulge me, I'm largely going to quote verbatim and at length. Uh, he says, people think this match is all about a personal issue between Punk and Paul Heyman with me just as Paul's muscle, but it's just as personal between me and Punk. I've never liked him. I look at him and I see a joke. The only reason I've let him exist all this time is out of respect for Paul. The corporate idiots are calling this match the best versus the beast. Well, you listen to me. The best is the beast and you're looking at him. Punk thinks he's a tough guy. Well, he's not. There's no professional jealousy between me and Punk. What do I have to be jealous of? Was Punk an NCAA champion? No. Was he UFC heavyweight champion? No. I was a WWE undisputed champion back when CM Punk was wrestling in front of 100 people in high school gyms. And at that point, they show IWA Mid-South footage, which made me laugh. <laughs> um, uh, he says, I'll give credit where credit's due. Holding the WWE title for 434 days is quite impressive, especially for a guy like him. But Punk has never faced anybody his entire life by, like me because there is nobody like me. Size does matter. At SummerSlam, CM Punk is going to learn what it truly means to be victimized by Brock Lesnar. Like, I don't think I've ever heard a promo that good out of Brock Lesnar before. He was mm. fantastic. Um, and in fact, his promo there, I think, was better than any of the ones Heyman and Punk, two notably good talkers, cut during the entire build-up to this match. So Josh interviews Punk in the locker room, uh, questions why Punk would take this match close to so close to a pay-per-view with Brock. And Punk says, why not? Nobody should be afraid of Heyman in a one-on-one -on -one fight. Um, right before Heyman issued this challenge, Brock told him to say something stupid. And on the surface, that appears to be exactly what he's done. But Punk knows Paul is anything but stupid, and he calculates and he does everything for a reason. He doesn't think Heyman has lost his mind or grown a set. This is a chess game, and Paul has all his pawns in place. But when you come at the king, you better not miss. And he has a feeling Brock is going to make his presence felt tonight. They then immediately cut to the bizarre squad of Natalia Hornswoggle and the great Carly walking down the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Just to remind you what company we're in. Oi. Uh, so <laughs> CM Punk versus Paul Heyman. Um, Heyman comes out to no music in a shirt, trousers, waistcoat and wrist wraps. He has a promo saying he doesn't blame Punk for everything that's happened. He blames the fans, saying Punk no longer lives for Paul's love. He lives for the fans' acceptance. They took Punk away from him, and so tonight he takes Punk away from them. He outright says it's a trap for Punk. He didn't think of it all by himself, though. It's a conspiracy that he developed with, developed with his co-conspirator, Brock Lesnar. So Brock comes out, uh, and Heyman introduces a video package recap of all the times that Lesnar has destroyed Punk. So now you know it's a trap. It's trying to clue you in on what the trap is. Heyman will fight Punk tonight. All Punk has to do is be a hero and come out, but it will be Heyman and Lesnar versus Punk. A guaranteed beating less than a week before SummerSlam. He says, nobody wakes up wanting to be a hero. Heroes are people who have no choice. Punk has a choice. He doesn't have to come out and fight. He can stay away and disappoint all of his fans instead. So what's it going to be? Is Punk going to be the dumb coward or the stupid hero? Shockingly... The place explodes as cult of personality hits. Uh, 
Punk though runs in from the crowd, takes a TV camera off the cameraman on the apron and gloms Brock, Brock right in the face with it. <laughs> Uh, he wears Brock out with camera shots, uh, a tope and a chair. The look on Heyman's face is a picture is when he realises that Punk has turned his attention to him, screaming, oh my God, like it's Joey <laughs> Styles in 1996, and frantically yelling for Brock to get up as he runs up the ramp. Axel comes out and Punk just smashes him <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> That's your intercontinental champion. Um, cult of personality hits again as the show goes off the air. Uh, and that's the end, the, 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 the build for it. It was kind of weird. It went all over the place. Um, I also missed out Brock's best line from his promo, which I've just spotted. Uh, and he says, uh, Punk thinks that just because he tapes his hand, has a bunch of tattoos and takes MMA classes for beginners at his local gym, that he's a tough guy. <laughs> so, oh my God, that was a lot of talking. Um, Hopefully, you now you haven't switched off and uh, you get the whole story going into this. Um, I've I got to say, I was kind of like, given who the talkers and the, and the participants are in this feud, I was kind of disappointed with the build up to this. Like, when Brock Lesnar of the three delivers the best promo, mm. then, you know, considering the other two are Paul Heyman uh, and CM Punk, noted rabble rousers the pair of them. Yeah, I was kind of, uh, you've got to remember this is WWE, I suppose. Mm. I think it would be different anywhere else. I mean, there were some, definitely some good bits in there from what you're saying. But as you say, it's yeah. like, it just felt directionless and aimless. It's a case of, we know where we are. We know where we need to get to. We've got five, we've got these many weeks to do it. Yeah, yeah it's five weeks. But it and kind we, of feels like it was made up week to week rather than having it plotted out to start with. Yeah. Well, is long-term, and in, not even long-term, this is a one-month build, is logical show-to-show -show coherent storytelling a priority for WWE and something it can actually do? This is true. This is true. And as much as people put, uh, praise Paul Heyman's booking, he was very... You watch a lot of ECW, he was all over the place. Like, people forget how many dreadful characters were in that company. And people forget, like, how, like, outrageous a lot of the booking was. And it didn't... Some stuff made a lot of sense and was very good, and some stuff didn't make any sense. Um that just describes US TV in the 90s, US wrestling in the 90s. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've got to say, though, the video package that aired before the match is grade A hype package work. It's yeah. superb um, and sets the scene much better than my previous 10 minutes of rambling uh, and also cuts out a lot of the crap. I, I'll say this from doing multiple episodes on WWE. It always impresses me how the video package makes the build seem so much more coherent every single time. Because I listen mm. to you describe it, and and it's like, well, that's not what I saw in the hype package. So it just yeah. shows that one of WWE's strengths, and they've had this for a long time, is they know how to do a pre-match hype video mm. that basically focuses on the good bits hides the bollocks and actually tells a coherent story yeah yeah if only they applied that philosophy to the actual shows that would be amazing 
Uh, so uh, we've come to match time. It is SummerSlam. It is August the 18th. Uh, it is not the main event, which was something that surprised me. Your main event is uh, John Cena versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, is that on the list, I wonder? I remember that as being a really good match. Anyway, uh, magically, as of the pre-show, this match is no disqualification, which is code for we couldn't figure out how to make it work without interference and weapons. <laughs> So uh, Punk leaps at Brock at the belt and just gets plucked out of the air and smashed into the corners. But before we do that, a couple mm. of things I want to say on the build is, one, Punk was over and got a much louder reaction than Lesnar. And I kind of forget mm. that even towards the end of his run, Punk was over like Rover. Oh, and, yeah. And the second, what the hell was that font on Brock Lesnar's entrance video? It was like, it was, it's just this weird sort of like, Comic Sans just tried to act <laughs> like a tough guy. <laughs> I didn't see that. I'll have to go back and have a look. I mean, someone like WH Parker's uh, talked before about doing like a like fashions in wrestling podcast. Perhaps we should do like typography in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this is uh, Brock basically smashing punk all over the ring for the first couple of minutes. Um, he keeps trying MMA knees and kicks, but Lesnar's like snuffing him out every term, uh, every turn even, until Punk gets lucky with two flying knees and knocks him out of the ring. Uh, Punk gets hold of the steps, but Brock just shoulder blocks the steps and knocks the whole the whole kit and caboodle down. Uh, Punk leaps off the top rope and the commentary desk, knocking Lesnar down again and again with big impacts above his center of gravity. Mm. Uh, Heyman backpedals away from Punk, doing mast, doing a masterful backwards trip over oh, the other set of steps. Fantastic! Yeah, and yeah, because of the way it's shot, it, he's kind of shot like from the knees up, so you can't see his feet going towards the bottom step. Yeah, that worked. He looked like a prize goon. It was tremendous. Uh, but as soon as Punk is on top of Heyman, uh, Brock just pounces on him, hurls him over the Spanish announce table, then for good measure throws him back the other way over the English desk. Uh, Punk catching his back on the corner of a monitor on the way open, uh, on the way open, on the way over, opening him up. Um, uh, I can tell you from experience, those things are heavy and have sharp corners. <laughs> um, the, the bit that I want to say about this is th there's two things I want to quickly point out about the this whole period of the match. The first mm. is it's a very clear heel versus face, mm -hmm. uh, baby face working from underneath. Uh, Punk's constantly throwing punches. He's constantly trying to fight back. Yeah. So it is that Ricky Steamboat rule of uh, I take the licks, but I'll give you one back so that I'm fighting. And and the other thing is everything that Punk succeeds with, Punk's uh, comebacks uh, he, in this period, it's all about him literally throwing his entire body weight at Lesnar. Yes. It, yes. Whether it's the... The knees with the long wind-up, whether it's the tope, whether it's the incredibly sloppy double axe handle off the top rope or the jump <laughs> off the uh, the thing. None of it's crisp, but it is literally a guy who knows that he's in trouble doing everything he can. And that's the story of this match from Punk. Yeah. It's like, I know I'm outmatched, but I'm going to throw 110% into it. Yeah, yeah. Um so Brock flings Punk across ringside with an overhead belly-to-belly, -belly, and for a moment, the live shot and the inset replay are both showing Punk selling in a fetal position from two different moves. <laughs> um, uh, 
They get back in the ring uh, and Punk comes back with leg kicks, but Lesnar just clubs him in the side of the neck with a clothesline to put him down. They slow it down with a bear hug to give me time to write some notes. Um, at this point, I realised this is essentially modern-day WWE Sting versus Vader. Okay. And I don't mean WWE Sting. I mean, it, it's like... It's like a 1992 WCW match transported mm. into 2013 WWE. Okay. Um, I also noticed just how big Brock Lesnar's hands were at this moment. He's got enormous mitts. They're about the size of Punk's head, <laughs> particularly in those like big padded gloves he's wearing at this mm. point. Just gigantic. Um, uh, so Punk breaks free of the bear hug, goes to the top. Uh, Brock catches him on a crossbody and uh sack of shits punk basically to the opposite corner uh brock does a super low angle power slam that if it didn't scrape punk's head across the mat it came very close <laughs> uh punk bites his way out of a chin lock and after a few kicks decks lesnar with a flying knee smash off the top rope mm. uh he puts together two rising knees in the corner but brock slips under a third to get him onto his shoulders punk slides off and downs him with a high kick to the temple and the crowd goes nuts uh unsurprisingly he kicks out of a top rope elbow i'm fairly confident either of us could hit better <laughs> i I'm, I'm gonna jump in i hope you don't mind me doing this uh um, no. is one and and i've said this before punk is not known for his uh crispness no he's not known for being a fantastic executor of moves uh this is pretty apparent for a lot of the match and especially at this one the other thing I want to praise is um, Brock Lesnar. When Punk was having his punch and kick fight back, Lesnar did this fantastic sort of like woozy boxing yeah. style cell where he's literally, he's knocked silly and he's immediately got his guard up. Like of, I'm wobbly, I'm struggling, I'm just going to protect my head so that I can't take another shot. Yeah, well, when he returned from UFC, like, they played into his uh, MMA experience a lot and, like, he changed up his game a lot and wrestled more like a fighter. Mm. Uh, and this is, like, very much uh, evidence of that. Yeah, because um, if you think about it, Brock Lesnar has three distinct eras of style. He has mm. the the original run, he has the... Uh, UFC return run, and then he has a Suplex City run. Yes, uh, and the, yeah, yeah, the, it, yeah. It's power rookie, uh, MMA fighter hybrid, and Thanos, like where he's a super villain and like can't be taken down. Um, and something I liked about this this match actually was that he was selling, and he was uh, he he was not an immovable object he was he was not undefeatable mm. he was just a difficult mountain to climb very much in the way i see classic vader like vader is not a monster heel he's just a very large human being who has a very pronounced mean streak <laughs> so they trade go to sleep and f5 attempts resulting in punk connecting with a second roundhouse kick to knock lesnar down uh he wants that gts though and he hoists brock up but lesnar escapes locking in a kimura uh, at this point, this is Bro Brock's mm. big submission hold. He's been kayfabe breaking arms with it, and they make a point of saying he, quote-unquote, broke Triple H's arm uh, with this with this move. He takes it to the ground, and I heard something I never thought I'd hear. A WWE crowd lose their fucking minds for a Kimura getting reversed into a Jujigatame. 
cross arm break. It's such a it's how invested the crowd is that essentially yeah. that they're buying into this, that they're loving this. Yeah, I don't think like the cross arm breaker is not a CM Punk signature move. If anything, it fuck it's Alberto Del Rio's finisher who was on the show earlier. Um so uh Brock rolls into it to take the pressure off, but ends up in a triangle. He wraps his hand around the back of Punk's head. Okay, it's not a triangle, to be honest. It's a diamond choke because, my God, it's not a well-applied triangle fine, choke. Fine. No, that's fair. They call it a triangle on, on commentary. And basically, any triangle you see in pro wrestling is not a is not a jiu-jitsu triangle at all. Um, but anyway, in this, uh, in this hold, uh, rhombus and parallelogram hold, <laughs> um, uh, Brock reaches over... He wraps one hand around the back of Punk's head and seemingly, with no effort at all, picks him up and power bombs him. Uh, Punk clings onto the uh, dodecahedron. Uh, Brock's motioning as though he's on the verge of tapping out uh, and the crowd are going bananas. But again, he scoops up Punk's head and after some elbow-based resistance, drops him with a huge running power bomb from one corner to the other. Just... It looks so punk. Looked like he wanted to be literally anywhere else <laughs> in this. But like, if you think of him like getting hurled onto the monitor on the desk, and he gets mm. thrown into the ring posts and stuff in this match, he like, I mean, I don't think any match with Brock Lesnar is a walk in the park, is it? No, uh, Brock is a guy that the whole point of Brock is he's a big guy and he throws stuff around. I mean, for goodness' sake, his debut in on TV wrestling. Was was it the Spike Dudley or it, was it Spike or was it Shannon Moore? Because they did a whole load of like weekly squash, week after week squashes. Uh, at that time, I, I was watching every week, and I remember. I, those. I specifically remember Spike Dudley getting triple power bombed into a thin paste. Yes. <laughs> um. So Brock does his own version of the Three Amigos, which I'm calling three people who are coming along for the ride, whether they want to or not. <laughs> It's a lot better than the Three Amigos, to be honest, because it like, it's like three, the best way to imagine it is it's like three jackhammers chained together. Because as Brock comes down, each time as he lands, he's almost covering the guy's chest, so it's a lot more logical. Yeah, he's already twisting for the next one, and honestly, I don't think Punk had to help him. For it didn't jump, <laughs> didn't post for any of them. Like as I said, he's coming along for the ride, whether he wants to or not. Um, Brock buys a pristine chair at ringside and goes to get it. Uh, one of the commentators talks about how Brock looks fresh again, uh, just as his bright purple, heavily sweating, heavy breathing visage fills the shot. <laughs> like he looks like Shane McMahon. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Punk dives on him from the top rope, but Lesnar gets the chair in between them and it doesn't look like he did either of them any favors. Did, did you notice that, uh, that that whole shot was like a one camera angle 20 second shot where you can see punk in the background behind so the focus is on lesnar but mm. during that shot you can see punk get up get onto the top rope and then come off and that was just like i really like that because it's like what you can do with one shot that actually tells a story yes exactly um something they should go back to uh, this isn't one million camera cuts era WWE, but it sure is the imp the era of uh, impact zooming and heavy shaking, and excessive shaking for uh, for strikes and slams and stuff. Um, 
it is it's still annoying but it's less annoying than every suplex having three different camera angles in it uh so uh punk chases lesnar back into the ring with a couple of chair shots brock blocks a third but punk hoofs him in hoofs him in the nuts to take keep the advantage right in the brolocks yes <laughs> and says right in front of the camera where's your cup now ufc boy <laughs> Uh, he does the old Cactus Jack assisted, uh, chair assisted elbow drop. Not Cactus Jack assisted. That'd be hilarious if Mick Foley <laughs> just came out and threw him off the top rope. He does the old Cactus Jack chair assisted elbow drop off the top rope and it only gets him a two. Uh, this was, I know they had done them before. This was the first time I actually noticed people going for pins. Uh, Punk then says something very rude that falls afoul of the censor mm. as he wears Brock out with a chair. Uh, uh, incidentally, if someone thinks taking, uh, if someone thinks chair shots have lost their impact since guys stop beaning each other in the head with them, they need to watch this match. These two lay it in mm. as they hit each other on the back. Um, There's a shot of the chair at the end, and my oh, God, that yeah. thing looks like it was in a war zone. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, in a fantastic sequence, Heyman jumps up onto the apron to swipe the chair out of uh, Punk's hands, but now he's within reach of the guy that wants to kill him. So Punk grabs him by the tie. At the same moment, Lesnar recovers and lifts him up for the F5, but Punk's not going to let go of the tie. Uh, so Brock yanks, yanks him away, but drops him and staggers around straight into the GTS, forcing Heyman to scramble in the ring and break up the pin. I thought that whole sequence was brilliant. Oh, it's utterly fantastic. I just loved it because you had the logic of Heyman's doing something to save Brock, but gets too close. You had this brilliant moment where Lesnar and Heyman are looking at each other during this scenario, and they're trying to work out what the fuck we do. Yeah, and uh Brock is screaming at Paul, let go, let go, while Paul's waving both hands around to show like that he's he's not uh he's not the instigator in this. And he's yelling back, he's choking me, he's choking me. But the best bit is like when Heyman comes in and breaks up, because it's fantastic, because it to me it doesn't feel like Heyman doesn't want Punk to win. It feels like Heyman has let Lesnar down and mm. doesn't want to be the reason Brock loses. And it's yes. like and it kind of adds to that Heyman Lesnar um, relationship, uh, and it just uh, melodrama and dramatics and stuff like that um, can be done badly. But this was a fantastic example of that, where it completely elevated the match. Mm, definitely. Uh, Heyman then he leads Punk on a chase around the ring uh, and back through it into the path of an F5 but Punk reverses it into a Tornado DDT and it, Tornado DDT God you can tell I'm tired I cannot speak today and I've chosen to record a podcast <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, I'm not editing that out I can't bother, it's just more work uh, The crowd are mega into all of this mm. Uh, Brock kicks out, but Punk manoeuvres him into the Anaconda vice, yelling, what are you going to do now? Right right in Heyman's face. Uh, Heyman struggles back under the bottom rope with a chair, but Punk steps on it. And what follows is a fabulous bit of only in pro wrestling comic drama mm -hmm. as Heyman frantically tugs at the chair. And when it becomes apparent, it's not going to come loose, repeatedly slaps Punk across the knee to try and make him <laughs> relinquish it. Oh, it's great. Uh, Punk then drags a pleading Heyman to his feet by his ears and socks him right in the nose with a beautiful Terry mm. Funk punch. 
Uh, he then locks Heyman in the Anaconda Vice, who immediately taps. And this is a brilliant bit of business because it shows how tough Brock is. A normal yeah. man taps out from the pain instantly. Mm. Uh, Punk, though, has left himself open for the recovered Lesnar, who smashes him in the back with the chair, then gives him two more murderous shots and finally finishes him off uh, with an F5 face first onto the completely mangled chair. Um, I thought this was great. Like, this is... I kind of called it a Michael Bay wrestling match. Like it's a blockbuster match. It's not this this is not art house wrestling. This is this is two two big stars going head to head and and it's like it's fireworks and crazy action from start to finish. The first thing that got me from this is bear in mind this is SummerSlam 2013, isn't it? Mm. So Punk is done with WWE within 6 months of this. Yes. Uh despite that Punk was incredibly well protected with the way this match was structured in mm. terms of Punk looks strong. It was only kind of Heyman's interference and getting absolutely battered with a chair that led to Punk losing. Mm. And he was over like absolutely anything. So it just showed that this was the era where like Punk was... WWE knew that Punk was a big thing and they were giving him protection in this. Mm. Uh, I know you're going to have a couple more thoughts in a minute, but I thought Heyman was utterly excellent here. Oh, yeah, Heyman, Heyman was deaf. It was just he knew exactly what he needed to do. He knew how to portray himself. He Everything he did made sense and reminded you that both Lesnar and Punk are not normal men. Uh, yeah, so, uh, as you said, like, Punk was gone, uh, December of this year, I think. Uh, he certainly wasn't around in January. Um, uh, and then you get the, 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 the famous podcast and everything that came thereafter, um, uh, Brock, as we mentioned, would, would morph into the, the, Marvel supervillain who just destroys everybody, uh, largely just with suplexes, uh, and gets paid an incredible amount of money to do so. So, uh, CM Punk's last WWE performance was, uh, are we sure? Yeah, it was in the Royal Rumble in 2014. Oh, right. Okay. That's right. Because he famously like walked out of Raw the night after, didn't he? Mm. Telling Punk and uh, telling uh, Vince and Triple H, I'm going home. And then they fired him on his wedding day six months later. Yeah, this is the only ever match between CM Punk and Brock Lesnar. Um, and I got to say, it's very different too, but I enjoyed this just as much as uh, the Kenta Marafuji match we discussed last week. It's it's a very different... Yeah, it's a... I have it's to say, different, but it's similar because it, yeah. it much like that, it sometimes doesn't go in the direction you're expecting it to go. Hmm. But it yeah. still it still builds logically. I think yeah. the only thing I didn't particularly like was the spot where uh, Punk has the steps and Brock just shoulder blocks the steps to knock them down. Mm. Like that's a bit daft to me, but <laughs> equally, it's Brock Lesnar. Uh, other than that, and maybe the Punk coming off the top and Lesnar having the chair because it just wasn't clear who got the worst of that. That was well, just... they both went down. Yeah, yeah, I'll give and you Punk that. Punk just happened to be the first guy up to his feet. That but was yeah. all. It, this was a great match. It is a 
it's definitely a match that's probably worth um, going back and having a look at. There's three CM Punk matches that have been nominated, not nominated, CM three CM Punk matches that we'll be covering on this podcast. There are three. Uh, yes, yes, there are. I was just looking at that. This is the one that did not get five stars from Dave Meltzer. Yeah. So uh, if we're assuming that Meltzer is consistent, and that's an assumption that I don't think many people <laughs> make in 2022, then uh, there's two better ones to come. And one of them is probably the most legendary CM Punk match. You it's, know what uh, that one is. It is one, two, three, four. Technically, fifth yeah. on the list of must-see matches. Uh, this is the final appearance of Brock Lesnar on this show. Yep. Uh, right off into the sunset, cowboy. Uh, I was going to say something, and I've completely forgotten what it was. Uh, so if you have anything else, please go for it. Yeah, um, as I say, so this will be... So Punk had 12 matches nominated across four different promotions. Yes, someone nominated an IWA Mid-South match. Um <laughs> I think there was more. I think we're actually covering an IWA Mid South match on this podcast. I I remain convinced that some people did some joke nominations for this for this project. I I mean, it's a pretty legendary IWA Mid South match. It's uh, mm. Joe it's absolutely no. It's Joe smashing uh, Necro Butcher. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant the Punk nomination. Oh no, the, the Punk Mid-South. nomination was a Punk versus Hero one. Yeah. But there's, there's, yeah. No, we've we've had some interesting matches. There's one person who shall remain nameless who nominated nothing but CCW matches. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know. Yeah, everyone everyone's, has different tastes. everyone's got their own preference. I think the yep. one thing that I want to end... Some people like pineapple on pizza. I do. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> uh, Vacancy, podcast co-host required. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing I just want to end, and I think it's a great point, and it's and this match is a great example, is mm. there are wrestlers who get over because of their physique. That's not CM Punk. There's mm. wrestlers who get over because of their size or because they have uh, physical prowess such as they're incredibly fast or they're incredibly strong. That's not CM Punk. He's not a polished, fluid wrestler. He's not a great technician. He, he's not even a guy that had a style that he stuck to because his his indie, pre-WWE indie work is very different to his WWE work and you could argue that his mm. AEW work is different to either of those as well. Yeah. CM Punk's strength is his personality and his ability to create a character and to connect with a crowd. That is his strength. Be that as be that as a heel or a face, because like as we said, he was over like crazy as a baby face here. But he is equally able to get mm. lots of people very angry at him. He he yeah, as, in wrestling and in real life, um, <laughs> he punk punk's a guy that he should not work in terms of if you look at him, he should not work if you watch him wrestle. You could argue he should not work, but it's that ability to have that connection. And that's the thing that I Mm. think throughout the decades of wrestling, a lot of the big names that you remember and think about, it's that connection that they have. Steve Austin, Hogan, Mm. um, going back like a Bruno Sammartino, even further back, it's like 
a mm. lot of these guys, it they just develop this connection. And mm. for good and ill, and for the fact that punk is is not going to be in the top 50 of anyone's best actual technical wrestlers, really. If you, mm. if you actually study his matches, it's like the sloppiness is there. There's not a lot of Christmas. None of that matters because he gets that connection. And this group match is a perfect example of they were eating out of his hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is it for this week. Uh, that's another must-see match covered. Uh, next week, uh, we will be joined by the man behind Cage Match. The mighty Strigger will be here, and he will be joining us to discuss uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from Wrestle Kingdom 10, uh, January the 4th, 2016, which I know I've seen, but I can't remember. So I'm looking forward to watching that again. <laughs> uh, we should get the plugs out of the way. Uh, I mean, I should have done what's next. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm probably just going to switch the computer off and go back to bed, to be honest, even though it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. Can't blame um, me. Yeah. So uh, you can follow this podcast and project on Twitter at Must See Matches. You can also go to linktr.ee slash Must See Matches, and that will give you all the links to subscribe on your favorite platform of choice. It will uh, direct you towards the spreadsheet of the full spreadsheet of 1060 something matches that got uh, nominated for this uh, and i'm sure there are some nice big fat, thick black lines cutting off showing you the 104 we are covering on this show we also have another podcast that we we're supposed to record an episode of today uh, but uh, i was too tired to watch all the matches it's called dd teach it's at dd teach pod and it's mark teaching me and you about the ddt pro wrestling promotion in japan i just didn't have enough uh, energy to watch three uh, Kazusada Higuchi matches today before we switch the microphones on. So that'll be coming and for out. For anyone that hasn't seen it, that's not a diss on Kazusada Higuchi. No, it sounds like it is, but it's not. Uh, I do, I do quite enjoy him actually. Uh, it's it's uh, more a state, uh, statement about my energy levels than anything else. Uh, but we'll have another one of those coming out this month. Uh, what else? Uh, I am at Kieran Edits and Mark is at Monkey underscore Buckles. Uh, if he wants to get up on the microphone and say that again. Uh, at monkey underscore buckles. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> I, might, I might just let this show go out completely unedited. Um, oh, God. Uh, and as we said, Strigger will be here next week uh, when we talk about some lovely, lovely New Japan. Uh, I think we should call this a day, don't you? Yep. Excellent. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Bye. That was a car crash. <laughs> <laughs>